Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Daigle Bites podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Daigle. I'm a singer that hails from the deep swamps of Louisiana. I ventured my way up to Nashville to take the risk of jumping in on the pipe dream of singing on stages other than the ones I grew up seeing. Along this journey, I wrote a song called You Say, and what came next absolutely changed my life. I found myself in tour buses, singing on stages all over the world, and every single night I would get asked the question, what would Lauren Daigle be doing if she hadn't pursued music? Well, this season of Daigle Bites is answering just that, and I'm bringing you along with me on this adventure. I'm inviting new friends that I've just met and old friends that I've known for a long time to come and explore what it is like to pursue their passions. I know that they've inspired me, and I'm sure that they will probably do the exact same thing for you. So my absolute hope is that as you're sitting and you're listening, you then too can be inspired. You then too can ask the question, what is it that I would love to do with my life? And maybe along the way, you'll find steps to making that happen. So pull up a seat. Join us in the conversation. You have a place here. This is the Dago Bites podcast on Amazon Music. Everybody, welcome to the Dago Bites Podcast. I'm Lauren Daigle, your host, and I am very excited to tell you a little bit about my next guest. I met this dear friend of mine in 2015 on the Chris Tomlin Christmas tour. I was singing the song Noel each night, and I remember Chris said, Hey, Lauren, I want you to meet my dear friend, blank, blank, no spoiler alerts allowed. I knew I was going to be dear friends with this guy whenever he emailed me the day after I met him and said, hey, would you like to go skydiving today? I was like, who is this guy? This is amazing. I ended up not being able to go skydiving, something I absolutely regret. So I quickly emailed him back and said, hey, please, can I take you up on this later on? And we still have yet to go skydiving together, but we have been on a numerous amount of capers together. Today's guest is none other than Bob Goff. His book, Love Does, actually came at one of the most poignant moments in my life. I felt like I was completely overwhelmed. There was so much change from the very beginning of my career. And I remember we met at this crepe shop in Nashville. And I said, Bob, what do I do to keep the wonder alive? I feel like I'm becoming an adult way too soon. I feel like I'm I'm stressed out half the time. And this is not who I am. And you know what he said? He said, go and remind yourself of the eight-year-old version of yourself, because that's the girl that's trying to get out right now. And every time you go into a meeting with people in suits and all of that, he said, take a Mr. Potato Head. And if you know anything about me, you know the joke with me and Mr. Potato Head. Well, that all originated because of Bob Goff. Bob's greatest ambitions in life are to love others, do stuff, and most importantly, to hold hands with his wife, sweet Maria Goff. I absolutely treasure this friend. He is one of my favorites. Please help me welcome Bob Goff. Okay, so to start, first of all, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you give me your time. Me too. Can you tell the story about the fig tree? Yeah, like the uh, we have a, a tree, an olive tree actually, between oh, our that, houses, right. and um, I think one of the branches was kind of sneaking over next door, and so somehow they all of them got cut off. I'm like, 
that side. And one of the things that I uh, did is I could have gotten a new tree, but I decided uh, to just remember to love my neighbor. Um, like, so we can surround ourselves just like uh, pictures and words and imagery and music that remind us of who we are. You can also have reminders of who you're not. Uh, to say, like, I don't want to be the guy. I'm not trying to be right. I'm actually trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. And I'm not always getting there. Oftentimes I'm not, but I'm finding the more intent I am on that, I keep more thoughts in the thought bubble and less words sneak out. <laughs> like, just like kind of count to 10 is fine. But what would be even better is to just wait 10 and uh, then find better words, like access, different words. And then assume things are going on differently in somebody else's life than are going on in yours, to be actually genuinely curious. Uh, we uh, did some stuff together in San Quentin, uh, you and I, and I went back there. I was thinking about you. It was uh, maybe a week ago, but I was there. With, we were going to film a thing uh, with the guys. Oh, there was uh, one person that you know really well, and he's actually really good at baseball, uh, but he's been in jail for a super long time because he had done something really bad. And uh, he uh, said, do you want to pitch batting practice? So in the, you uh, know, remember walking through the yard and they have people that are like with weights yeah. and then there's kind of a baseball field in the middle. And when I got there, um, uh, there's a screen in between me, the pitcher and the plate. And so when I throw it, if he like line drives it back at me, I don't like have to get a new face, uh, which actually would be an upgrade. But um, <laughs> so the first thing I said was like, can we, rem let's remove the screen. And he's like, dude, like, really? I said, I just don't want anything between me and you. And I was thinking, man, that'll preach. If we can just get rid of whatever's between you and whoever you're supposed to be or you and the person you're with. And I, I was thinking I was going to do a Dr. Fauci, you know, where you throw for home base and it hits third. <laughs> I hadn't pitched the ball since <laughs> high school. And I actually still had it, Lauren. I like, I got it right <sighs> over the plate. Uh, and he hit it over the fence, but I like, I got over the plate. And so on the, about the fifth pitch, I remember he was kind of crowding the plate a little bit and I was feeling a little bit too cocky. So I thought I'm going to brush this guy back. And I threw it a little inside. I hit him right between the shoulder blades, like really hard. Oh, do not hit a guy who's in San uh, Quentin for a long oh, yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So we had that what awkward was the moment. Result? Like, is he going to charge the plate? Um, but the kind of the neat part was uh, he was just so gracious. I was the guy mm. in wrong. He was the guy with a reputation for being a bad guy. I was the bad guy in the thing. But uh, the neat thing is seeing his kindness towards me just makes me think I could be a little bit more kind, a little bit more patient mm -hmm. for the person that's holding me up or letting me down. And I mean, I hit him like pretty hard. Uh, but his first reaction was to care for me. Uh, he didn't run wow. out the plate and pummel me. Um, he just—he was just like a really kind guy. One last thought from what happened at that thing. Oh, there's the tallest building. Remember, the hospital has a fifth floor mm -hmm. on it. Like only the warden would be up there. And a guy came up with us to film this interview we were doing. And he's all tatted up and he starts weeping. Like when he gets to the top wow. and I'm like, oh, or like, are you okay? Like what's going on. And he'd been in prison for 23 years. He'd never seen the water. 
He'd smelled the water because San Quentin's surrounded by water. He was told the water was there. He'd never seen the water and he lost it. And I think our job with your music, with our careers, with what we do, we want to tell people there's water out there. Let me show you. Mm. I just, I love that he was vulnerable enough to share his affections and his emotions in those moments that even with as thick as those walls have been around him, it didn't actually remove his being, you know? Yeah. There's something really profound about that, that he was able to see water and still be moved. Some stuff happens in our lives and we start digging moats around the castle walls. And I just want to build a couple more drawbridges uh, to say, I know some really wonky things happened. It happened to you. It happened to me. It happened to whoever's listening. Um, But to say, could we build a couple more ways in? Uh, Find some safe people that you can be authentic, that they may have an agenda for themselves. They don't have an agenda for you. So I would say in our friendship, Lauren, I have an agenda for me. Uh, I don't have an agenda for you. My agenda is like, just be friends and do life. And so if you had people with fewer agendas, it doesn't mean I'm rudderless because I have an agenda Mm -hmm. for me. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I want people to just play their song. Oh, I 42 years ago, you know what I thought it would be? I I think you're in music, (laughs) so you may know the the name, a ludist, like somebody that makes guitars. So Mm -hmm. I met a guy and uh, he made guitars. And I said, will you teach me how? And so we got all the wood and we bent it and we made the soundboard and the hole in the neck and everything. I got all the way up to the fretboard and I didn't finish the guitar. I, I carry that guitar around for 42 years. And this week it went in to get the fretboard. What? Isn't that crazy? I gave it to a guy. He looks like he's with the Doobie Brothers in every respect. Uh, and he had said he was put the fretboard on. He said, no sweat, man. You're like 99% of the way there. But I never played a song for 42 years because I never got to the last piece. Like just the fretboard wow. of like people get to the last piece. No shame in it. Just figure out what's keeping you back. What's the screen between you and whatever you want to get to. And like, just move the screen to the side. Okay. What are some tips that you have for people who feel like they're just hitting the wall? Yeah. How so, do I see the screen? It's kind of like finding another gear. Uh, and you know, this old Jeep I've got, uh, when you go to change gears, you put in the clutch once and it won't change gears. That just like slows down the gears. And then you put in the clutch a second time, then you can change gears. And so sometimes you just got to double clutch. <laughs> sometimes you got to, it takes a second. It maybe think of the first time as revisiting. Why did I start out? What was the big ambition that I had about touching mm-hmm. lives, inspiring people, finding some beautiful lyrics that like connect with people who they are. And that requires some uh, some vulnerability, maybe kind of ripping the scab off from time to time. There, you could go around the corner and find a little self-loathing and <laughs> all mm-hmm. this stuff, like some missing pieces. Yes. But to say, I, if it doesn't work the first time, I want to just not bail on the idea. I'm just going to put in the clutch again and see if I can find that next gear. And so I want people to just realize the important work that you're doing and like not wow. get distracted. I just finished a book, uh, which, and that is the title of it, Undistracted. <laughs> and part of it is just thinking of examples of people that just 
didn't get distracted. You a guy Nehemiah that's like everybody hears about it, but he was building a big wall, and four of his buddies uh, kept saying, "Hey, can you come down and do this?" Or and he said, "I'm doing important work. I can't come down." And then wow. somebody else said, "Oh, somebody's trash talking you like over there," and he said, "I'm doing important work. I can't come down." Four times this happens, and he just kept saying the same thing. He was just trigger locked on the important work mm. he was doing. It was like he double clutched. He knew why he was doing what he was doing, and he wasn't going to get distracted along the way. I'm like, and so I think you're doing important work, and I've got some stuff going on overseas, and there's a lot of distractions. You might get misunderstood. I get misunderstood all the time. That's just Tuesday for me. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Um, and but I'm also like a really, I'm a happy guy, but I'm super sensitive. You know that side mm-hmm. of me. I can't even yeah. say goodbye without like welling up. <laughs> I'm emotionally incontinent, um, but um, but easily to distract. I want to say like I'm doing important work. I'm finding that new gear. I'm not going to get distracted. And if we could do that, I think we'd get down to like finishing the song, finish the guitar, play the music. Okay, I have three stories. I'm going to tell them quickly back to back, but I I feel like there's so much wealth into what you just said. Story number one, do you remember the time that I was at your house and I was like, I know that I have a record to make. And you said, cool, you're not allowed to eat until you finish a song <laughs> and you can stay in my sailboat. I remember. You have to sleep in the sailboat and you're not allowed to eat until the song is finished. Do you know, I went on a sailboat trip the other day. It was just a day trip, re- really small. I walked in and I just sat in there where all the beds were, the living room area. And I just sat and I listened to you say that in my head. I just uh. listened to it over and over. And I was like, okay, there's more in here. There's more in there's more in the hull of the sailboat. I will draw more songs out. There will be more to come. And do you know, since then, this next record I'm working on right now, I've written more songs alone than I have in my career thus far because of setting up those moments of, okay, well, it might not be a writing room that you can write in today because just being still sometimes I have a really hard time with it. But if you go on a walk, you're not allowed to come back home until the song is finished. And you have to just sing it into your voice. You know, there's all these moments that I've drawn from, from that one saying, just you're not allowed to leave the sailboat until you finish the song. That's story number one. I just, I thank you for that. Yeah, you're doing important work. I'm just glad that you're not getting down. You're not coming out. You're not returning. I just kind of get my work done. I want to fail trying. I don't want to fail watching. Like I'd rather yes. try the lyric and have it not work than not write down the lyric. Someone told me the other day, oh, I'm not an expert at this. I just fail forward. Yeah. I loved that idea. I fail forward because even if it's a failure, it's still launching me into the next step. Totally. So regardless of if it's failure or success, it all kind of becomes success at some point because it gets yes. you to the next And then not getting hung up by all those steps, like not getting hung up with all the details. I don't think you get hung up in the details, do you? Uh, My manager just shook her head up and down. Yes, you get hung up in the details. You do get hung up in the details. Yeah, I think I have a respect for the details, but I don't feel like I'm hung up in those. But you get like a little mired with that? I do. I think I get mired with expectation. Hmm. So if I know that there's a lot of expectation in intertwined in all of the details, then I think I I get overwhelmed. 
Expectation is so interesting. I've found that it could be really great because it applies pressure and allows me to soar. I like to work well under pressure. But the flip side is, will I deliver? Can I measure up? All of those kind of thoughts start to play in. I think at the risk of like wordsmithing it, I just seems like mired in the emotion, but not in the planning. As I've experienced you, you're like, okay. I mean, we were just talking yeah. before we started about a pretty crazy plan, but you weren't mired in the details. It's like, I don't know, does that country give visas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Answer, not many. <laughs> but 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 the details didn't seem to slow you down, but the emotion around it. It's a expectation from a, you know, a relationship that was kind of wonky or parents or friends that are still working on their people skills a little bit, or even strangers uh, that have a big voice in your life and, but they just don't have a big part of your life. Um, I just don't want to get hung up in the details. We've got a, a water tower up at this place uh, we've got. And we were filming a thing for Magnolia, like, and we're going to let all these balloons go at the top of the water tower. And I thought this is going to be so awesome. But I had to take all the balloons to the top of the tower. And I was thinking like, how am I going to do that? And still there's all these little handholds going up. And I got up to the, I was like looking up for probably a solid 10 minutes. And I say, I'm going to move here. Then I'll grab this and I'll do this. Uh, Lauren, I'm not kidding. Something caught my eye. I looked down, there's a coiled rattlesnake at my feet. And I was looking up, I wasn't looking down where my feet are. And so what I want to do is kind of, I think you taught me that idea of be where your feet are, like to be fully present where you are, not thinking 10 expectations or 10 conversations or three concerts from now, but just like be where your feet are, be with the people who love you. Are we good? I get real with some anxiety that I'm having because like whatever it is, and then start climbing the tower. Yep. Okay. That leads me to the next story, which is kind of perfect. You were talking about distraction with Nehemiah. I love that analogy so much. I love that story. On this quest of like, why am I not, why am I feeling like I'm hitting brick walls? What screen needs to be moved aside? I The other day, So have you heard of this thing called the light phone? No. Okay. It's a phone that has no internet access. It's just, it's how phones used to be, used to be like in the 2000s, but it was, it's just cellular access, like phone calls, text messages, a calendar, and a calculator. That's it. And it's not even an LED screen. It's literally like a Kindle, like you're reading a book. Yeah. They don't, it's, I got one and the whole purpose was what you just mentioned, removing distraction because I find myself, when I started this career, I was able to be so inventive and creative and I was able to dream and execute because there was, there wasn't this inundation of information. Like I feel like in my generation specifically, there's such an inundation of information, whether it's opinion or whether it's misplaced value or whether it's jumping in and going to say, oh, I'm going to answer this, but constant connection, that the ability to never just turn off. You have to be, I miss a letter. I miss writing a letter. I actually thought about, huh, if I have to tell someone something, would I be willing to send a letter versus a text message, even though that's not the way of the world anymore? 
But what would what would it feel like walking to your mailbox and receiving, uh, hey, just wanted to see how you're doing? Wouldn't that surprise you? Like it, that it's not, you know, Cox Communications calling for the next <laughs> bill. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, what a refreshing way to exist. And I, I feel like with things moving at such rapid speed, I don't know if you feel caught up in the current ever. But I feel like sometimes I'm on a ship that's just being tossed and turned by the waves, and I, I'm looking for that area. You know, sometimes a wave will provide that one little route of ex- exit, and you've got to know exactly how to slice the wave to exit smoothly. And I feel like there's a piece of me that is longing for, okay, how can I exit the amount of distraction I've allowed to invade into my world so that I can get more direct and more defined so that my scope, when I'm looking through the scope, it the target is dead center in the bullseye. And I think I've learned some of that from you in Dream Big, which for all the listeners, Bob has an incredible book, Dream Big, but he also hosts gatherings where people sit and they explore their dreams together and they explore what's holding them back. They explore how to propel their dreams forward. And I don't know if you remember this, but you mentioned how Sometimes it's like seven horses and you line all the horses up and for everybody listening, the horses are the dreams and you line all seven horses up and you spank each one of them on the butt and you see which one runs the fastest. And that one that is out the gate and like on, that's where you focus your attention. Yeah, that's it. Fast pony. Fast pony. And I feel like I've been looking at all of these ponies and they're all at a stalemate. And so that's when I look and I say, okay, well, where is distraction coming in? Where is Nehemiah in this? How, how did Nehemiah stay focused? He, he knew what was on the other side. I don't know. I just feel like Dream Big gave a lot of opportunity that I still reflect on to this day. I know this is kind of a side note, but from going to be a lawyer, which I do want to talk to you about. Yeah, you bet. To Dream Big. I feel like there were so many years in there. Do you want to tell that story of tenacity and perseverance? I think about that story all the time. Yeah. Pepperdine's such a uh, wonderful place, and they do let me teach there a, uh, a class. It was another school that let me in, but it was I did apply to Pepperdine. They just said no. <laughs> Like those, but there was a but that was just good judgment on their part. Um, but uh, the University of San Diego, they hadn't said yes and they hadn't said no. It was like that middle area where most of us live. And so I just sat in front of the dean's office. I said, I told him, you have the power. All you need to say is get your books. And I'd be in. Like you've got that kind of power. And so maybe for people listening to think about what is your ambition? What's that job you want? What's that? career you want and to find somebody. And when you say no, don't say like, God closed the door. I'm like, well, go yeah. text us on it. Just shoot the hinges off. Just to say, <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I've had this dream, this ambition for 20 years. And just because somebody said, no, this isn't God. That's Billy that said no. And to say like, well, I don't say no. 
Uh, and so I remember just doing a sit-in. I just sat in front of that office for day after day after day after day after day. Uh, and I had the dean's like schedule memorized. I mean, he'd get up to go to the bathroom. I'd think, well, it's a little early, but he's had a lot of water. <laughs> and I remember law school started. I'd been sitting on the bench for 10 days. Uh, and law school started, no, I didn't get in the first day and the second day and the third day. I'm not even in law school when I'm behind. Uh, and I heard the footfall of him coming to the door and I looked up and he turned to me and he said, get your books. Uh, and I just think instead of waiting for permission, what if we started acting like we have permission, still have mm -hmm. humble hearts, uh, but to just mm -hmm. say, gosh, maybe God has given you permission to do a whole lot more and you're sitting there waiting and you've already got the Willy Wonka ticket. You just don't realize you've got the Willy Wonka ticket. Like you're yes. admitted, it's an all access pass. You get to just, you yes. can go anywhere with this thing. I mean, don't go knock off a liquor store. You'll be in my class at San Quentin. But, <laughs> but what if you act like I have all access? You have access to your faith. You have access to people who creep you out. You have There's some people you might want to keep a little bit at bay just because they're unsafe people for you emotionally, physically. Um, but maybe draw near to some people just because, uh, you know, they're working on their people skills a little bit doesn't mean that they're weird, it means that they're just a different version of you. They're just insecure and dealing it with it in a different way than I am. But to see what people are doing and try to find out what they need by what they do. You've been over to the house and you know I have a hedge behind the house to keep people kind of on the path and have just a little <laughs> bit of privacy. Uh, and this guy jumped over the hedge. He ran across the lawn, up the stairs, across the lawn again, and he was carrying something. And I was thinking, I had somebody throw a snake through a car window into my lap because they thought it would be fun. And I'm like, so I'm just a little, I'm not paranoid, <laughs> but I'm just mindful. Like, I'm like, what's in the bag? And it was an <laughs> ice block, Lauren. And I'm like, well, this is a first. <laughs> Like, uh, so uh, he introduced himself and he said, my name is Lee. And uh, uh, and so I'm like, wow, thank you. And he left. And I thought, well, you know, that'll never happen again. It happened five more times. And every time he would hop over the hedge and he would bring a bigger ice block with me. And I thought it was like cute, but I was kind of distracted by all the other things going on and yeah, some peculiar behaviors. And I just didn't get it. Well, about the fifth time, he didn't go over the hedge. He went through the hedge. He had an ice block. I bet it weighed 75 pounds. It was just this huge thing. And uh, we never got around to talking about what this was all about. I was just trying to be polite. Um, and I got a call maybe a month or two ago on my cell phone and the caller ID said, Lee something. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's the ice block guy. And it was a woman. And she said, I'm Lee's wife. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, like, uh, uh, how's Lee? And uh, she said, Lee's passed. And so she was going through his phone, calling all the people on his speed dial. And so I said, gosh, my interactions were pretty limited, but he jumped over my hedge five times. And each time he brought a bigger ice block. And I realized when I was telling her that the ice block wasn't for me, it was for us. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. like, I didn't see what he was pointing towards. And uh, and I think that's just this reminder, like see what people mm -hmm. are really saying by what they're doing. Uh, maybe wow. slowing it down a little bit, putting in the clutch once or twice to just mm -hmm. say, if I could be a little bit less efficient with my time and make me a couple more drawbridges uh, and do the same thing, that kind of kindness towards yourself. 
you've got a job, you've got a career, you're pointing people towards unlikely careers. I went from lawyer to, I started an airline. Isn't that really unlikely? Did you know that? I uh, I didn't yeah, know, I know this. These. Wait, tell this story. <laughs> you know, Bob, you're, for every listener who's queuing in, Bob is the greatest, most fantastical anomaly because you have in your treasure chest an endless supply of gold coins and silver coins <laughs> and jewels and gems. And you pull out things that I've I just didn't know exist in your constant surprise. And I love the genuine nature that that it is Bob Goff. It is Bob Goff. Of course, you started an airline. It wasn't like Jetsons 747. They were beaver seaplanes. Have you been on a beaver? Like they take off and land on the water? Oh, no. I I love these planes. They're like guy planes. If they could make them out of beef jerky, they would. And so I thought they were neat, but I thought, well, I'm a lawyer. We could start an airline up in Canada because we live kind of out in the bush. And, uh, And so I did. Like we got through all the paper with the last thing you need to start an airplane or an airline is an airplane. (laughs) It's like rats. I didn't have one. (laughs) So the thing about beavers, they hit stuff. And so I got the tail section from one guy and the fuselage from somebody else, the wings from another crash plane. And we put this plane together and then we needed to paint it. And I was literally at Krispy Kreme for a friend. And I, I jacked all their colors. I jacked their green, the white, the font, the everything. And we called it Pacific Wings. There was an airline in Hawaii called Pacific Wings. I didn't know. I just thought if they had a problem with it, they'll change their name. And so I <laughs> <laughs> we started this airline. And uh, I think what my point is this, um, find where things take you, like, activating your big ambitions are going to be, that's going to be catnip for the next ambitions. Uh, And uh, we uh, never made any money on this airline, but I co-chair, I worked in Seattle and lived in San Diego and commuted for those 25 years, you know. And, uh, but because I had an airline, I co-chaired with Alaska Airlines, never paid for a ticket. And so I got to fly on their line for free and they could fly on mine, but nobody ever did. Zero. Pick a round number <laughs> in a decade. So we made bank on like airplane tickets, but we like we just didn't make anything on the airline, which is fine. It was a lot of fun. Here's the point. Like wow. if it's skateboards, find something that lights you up <laughs> mm-hmm. and to just pursue yeah. that ambition, double clutch past the emotional, like these limiting beliefs that um, yes. like it won't work or I'll look so silly or what if I'm misunderstood or am I supposed to make like Jesus skateboards? No, just make really good skateboards. Yeah. Like just yeah. do really quality stuff and let that point to the divine. You don't need to put a return address on everything that you do. And and will you be misunderstood if you don't do that? And you say, oh, heck totally. yeah, where you sing, <laughs> yeah. who you sing for, all that. Like, whatever. Don't worry about that. Tell them to get a puppy. Like, what I want to do is not going to stay on track with my beautiful ambition. And I know that people listening to you will as well. Do you know that from that Dream Big class, uh, my dream, the one at that moment, was to open an arts community where it was a it was a big piece of property and each art medium had its own tiny home. So if it was culinary art, there's a tiny home with any sort of culinary need that you would have. 
So whether it's a stove, oven, kitchen, fully stocked, everything right there. If it's art, if you're a painter, it's every, you can paint on the ceilings, you can paint on the walls, you can hang canvas. They have all the paints, all the brushes, everything you'd ever need in this tiny home. Fast forward, if you need a studio for making music, there's a tiny home studio. And it's just this art community where all of these tiny homes are available. And it's either you pay a monthly fee or you just pay a one-time pass to come and use the facilities or you can host retreats there or whatever. That's, that was the goal. So I said, I'm going to start with one home. And I bought a house in New Orleans. And Bob, it has been an epic failure. And, <laughs> and I That's say awesome. that in the best, it's been a great failure. I bought this house and I thought, okay, I can make different rooms. I can start small so that I'm not necessarily building all these homes, but I can take one home and use the rooms to build out different spaces. So I had the upstairs room was going to be a painting room, like all these canvases and then this like reading nook. And then I had a piano room that was being built out to be a studio. And I put a pool in and all this stuff so that families who haven't had retreats in a long time could come and have a creative retreat or couples who are newlyweds but can't afford a honeymoon could come there and retreat and all the things, right? Fail. It has taught me so much though. And this morning I woke up and I looked at the, I'm working with a a realtor right now at buying a new piece of property because that one just totally bombed. Mold got in the house. (laughs) I've spent so much money just trying to get the mold out. I mean, it's been a, it's been a year and a half process of like, oh yeah, can't live in the house, but it sure is fun to look at. You know what I mean? And you know, I know that you know. So I had a choice to make. Do I want to let this dream die and just say, well, it wasn't meant to be? Or do I want to sit outside of the dean's office and say, no, I, I know what is in there. And I know the po- the realm of possibility here. And so this morning I got on the email that the realtor sent and it was 32 properties. They're like, here are 32 properties that could probably harness that dream because I was very specific. And as I'm scrolling through, doubt set in of, can I really do this though? Because I, it failed the first time. Can I really do this? And maybe I'm misplacing the goal. Maybe I'm misplacing the ambition or maybe I'm misplacing, whatever, whatever the doubt was. And just even sitting here talking to you about the, the man who brought a block of ice, his persistence five times over, landed you in his speed dial list. Wow. Like what a wow. That's a wow to me. Five times of bringing an ice block, I want to say bust out the chisel and let's make a sculpture. But you clearly made a sculpture, an imprint on his heart and on who he was because he added you to speed dial. You wanted to build an airline company, total tank, but you got free airline tickets for all of those travels. Mind you, everybody listening in, Bob lived in San Diego. His law firm was in Seattle. He commuted every single day morning and evening by plane and only missed four dinners in what was it, 32 <laughs> years or something? That was a of long commuting time. back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. I ate a lot of peanuts. <laughs> I believe it. I know, I know. Now with peanut allergies, people are like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm yeah. over there in the corner just <laughs> stuffing them down. I love peanuts. <laughs> but I love that even just sitting and talking with you, I'm like, 
yeah, you know what? I feel invigorated again. Just to say, I'm going to get wings from this company and I'm going to get prop, like I'm going to get the props from this company. I'm going to get the shell from this company and we're going to build a plane. And uh, if I'm the only one that ever uses the plane, well, at least we did it. At least there was something to it. And where is success measured, you know? And maybe moving away from deferral, like that instead of deferring your beautiful idea, just because last time it hurt and we want to move towards uh, pleasure and away from pain. Uh, but we have these uh, conditioned responses. Remember back in college, you like probably took a psychology 101 class and it was about, you read about Pavlov's dog. And like when the light came on, the dog got some food and then then pretty soon they would turn on the light and the dog would start salivating because they knew something was going to happen. And those conditioned responses happen with bad stuff too. Like they're called mm-hmm. triggers. Like I thought trigger was the name of the Lone Ranger's horse until I had some counseling. <laughs> and I'm like, that's actually a thing. So like kind of like Pavlov's dog, we like learn if this, then soon to follow is that. Mm-hmm. But I want to kind of bust through that and to say like God is just over and in and through all of this and with some really unlikely alternate endings. And to say, I want to bust through some of that like finger memory I have that if this, then this. And I want to just say, I don't want to live by all these conditioned responses to play it safe because I think we were born to be brave. That we were born to do just courageous, unlikely things, but do things that are courageous for you, not comparing your work to somebody else's, like uh, like tend to your own fire, like keep your eyes on your own yes. paper and say, I'm just going to tend to my fire here. And I'm just going to do one courageous thing for me. The end of the Battle of Leningrad, <laughs> everybody ran out of food. They ate Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> I bet they didn't see that coming. So... <laughs> But, slight turn of events. But find <laughs> like these unlikely things that you just think, well, if I, let's say if you had a bad relationship and then you make a stupid rule that says, uh, everybody is eventually going to leave me, so I'm not going to go deep. And then you have a bunch of shallow relationships. I'd say, yeah. could we go revisit? Like, let's go back yeah. to the scene of the crime and say, what story did you make up? What rule did you make around it? And l- stop letting that push you around anymore. And I think you'll unlock mm. that new career. I think you'll make yeah. the try the thing that the relationship that you'd say like, I know I'm not going full Pavlov's on this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to make some new rules. You know, the beauty of that first failure, the house, is that during the glitter season, which we know what that means, <laughs> I was able to work with my production manager and so we we weren't allowed to be on the road, right? But he project managed the entire house, everything that had to go on. And just day in and day out, seeing someone who was so steady and so dedicated and determined, he learned an entire new skill set. He put a teak deck. He he did so many things. He said, I would have never learned all of these skill sets had I not just stepped into this house and said, okay. I'll jump in for this season. And he showed up relentlessly every single day. He is married. He just had a a baby and was able to have something to do during the season and also learn and grow. Like for me, that was the highlight. It might've failed in the sense of the dream that I saw fit, but it was actually so much better um, because it impacted someone. And I think the things that you just so beautifully communicate 
is how being with someone and caring for the other and letting their story teach you and guide you and not using cynicism and criticism to ascertain some sort of judgment of them, but instead to delight in the uniqueness of each person. There's something to be said for that, that I feel like it enables such incredible growth. And I feel like the world becomes a smaller place and more holistic whenever we do that. You were talking about courage. Um, When you had to, what was the process like for you to hand over the keys of the law firm? Was it like, I've always wondered about this. So you started off, you had this amazing law firm, right? Worked there for years and years and years. And then one day you walked in, you handed over the keys and you said, okay, it's finished. But was that the launching of all of these other moments, all of these other, was it the launching of Love Does? Was it the launching of becoming an author? Was it the launching of all of that? Or did you have those things in circulation while you were a lawyer? What, how did that process work? Yeah. So for people that are listening that have a day job, like I just thought of my being a lawyer was like fundraising. Like you, you can just raise a bunch of dough taking depositions. <laughs> and we had mm. some schools going here and there. And then I started spending more and more time away. And I remember taking uh, the elevator up to these two floors on this bank building and stopping, uh, stepping off on the 17th floor. And the receptionist said, hi, who are you here to see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that's my name right behind you. Like, <laughs> and I realized it'd been so long since I'd even been, and my, I'd fly to Seattle every day. I'd go to court. I just wouldn't go to the office. And I realized I just traveled so far from where I had gone that, that I just had realized I'm not here anymore. And I called everybody together and I took the ring off the keychain, and I just said, I'm out and never gone back. Like that was my last day at work and it was my job. (laughs) That was my firm. Wow. But I would say this, like whether you think of it as like that famous story of Cortez burning the ships, Uh, they were deciding, shall we go back (laughs) as the last ship was burning to the waterline? We're like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) That ship has sailed. Yes, or sunk. (laughs) And to say like what I'm going to do is I'm going to move courageously towards the newest version of me. So my worldview, and I think you'd share this, is that we're new creations every day. New day, new Bob. And so I don't want to be playing by the rules of old Bob. And old Bob was a lawyer and was arguing with court and all that jazz. And new Bob, he's just like, he's the balloon guy. (laughs) He's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to have these high level conversations about all this. I have such a deep conservative theology and it's this, God loves everybody. Not everybody will accept. It's like, no, everybody and always. <laughs> like, and so if you've got a more refined version of that, uh, that mazel tov, just I that's okay. I'm not gonna raise my voice only when I'm yodeling. <laughs> and I've never yodeled. <laughs> but but I'm not gonna argue with people anymore. I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is I've got important work to do. I ain't coming down. Um yeah. and so with that kind of resolve and resilience when the place in New Orleans crashes and burns for you, or there's a disappointment along the way for me, an unexpected outcome 
um, that I think this side of eternity, we may not be able to piece together some of the crazy stuff that's happened, but but to, with a confidence that to say, we're just going to keep trying this because we really believe, yeah. want to keep current. Some people that are listening are afraid you're going to lose your job. And other people yeah. that are listening are afraid you're going to keep your job. Keep it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so just like bail out. It's, you're two words away. I quit. Yeah. yeah. Put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, give it to somebody you love and say, mail that in. They may run to the post office <laughs> or they may feel incredibly trusted by you. And so there's something beautiful about that kind of resolve. And I think it'll bring the current version out. It's like fretting the guitar. Uh, It's like saying, now now we can do something with it. You were close. uh, And that's awesome. Uh, Now let's just go do something with it. How do you navigate disappointment when when you reach that place? Yeah, it's a gut punch in the moment. I have to resist my flaming Enneagram seven that just wants to be a be skippy and all that. Let's not talk about it. Um, but to actually go there and see it, uh, kind of like this big dream that you had and this disappointment, grieve it, um, and then resist the temptation to run away from it. Um, cause I want to mm. pretend like, let's talk about happy stuff again. And I'm not saying make a campsite out of these setbacks, but at least yeah. visit them, like go to the scene yeah. of the crime and then just grieve it. And to say, I'm not going to try to sum it up in a catchy little slogan about that, but I just say like, yeah, I really grieve that. And, but I'm not going to like let that get in the way of being the next version of me. Like, cause I think darkness doesn't want to destroy us. It wants to distract us. And I think if we get distracted by the disappointments in the past, we won't get busy building this like really beautiful future, like next courageous step. And a comparison's a punk. So don't start Mm -hmm. comparing like what you're building with what somebody else, because their rocket ship will look better. Yeah. But I want it to look like you. I want it to look like this beautiful uh, emergence of your faith and your creativity and your all of that stuff. Not just one thing, uh, but all of them. Like that's what will get you launched. I love, well, first of all, I love this conversation Me so too. much. I feel it's like so I'm fun. gaining. I feel like I'm saying so much. Um, I'm going to ask two more questions. One, can you talk about how you got involved in being uh, working for the council in Uganda and all of the stories of the kids and love does, how that all intertwined. Because I feel like for listeners, you know, going from a lawyer, handing over the keys, we're building a timeline here. How did it turn into, okay, now I'm going to do some serious groundwork and I'm going to wear bulletproof vest everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> we just started seeing if if it's true that God loves the kid in Nashville equal with the kid in Ethiopia. Uh, and I believe that's mm-hmm. true. To say, uh, how can we do something for all of them? Love your neighbors right here across the street and maybe love a couple neighbors across an ocean. Uh, you've done that with uh, work in Congo and work in the other things. You built a whole school there. And uh, when a volcano took it out, you said, we didn't lament it. You let's just said, like, let's do it again. Yeah. Which is so, so no, but you could see that would probably be like Lauren 2.0 instead of, of falling for this myth that like, well, God, this must be a sign or 
whatever, he's not going to land a ladybug on your nose. (laughs) What he'll say is that it was a beautiful idea the first time and it'll be just as beautiful an idea the second time. And so sometimes when you're just open to what's going on, somebody called, it was the ambassador of Uganda, and he said, will you be the counsel for the Republic of Uganda? I thought he said counsel. He said consul. And I said, like, like, what's a consul? And he's like, you know, like the diplomat that's represents Uganda to the U.S. And I said, like, really? But I'm like, not a Uganda. Can I send you a photo? Like, I'm not a Uganda guy. (laughs) Uh, And he said, no, no, no. Like, that's why we want you to be. And so I'm 15 years in for being the consul for the Republic of Uganda to the U.S. So if you come to my house and you have the flag of Uganda flies over my house, because this, it looks like every other house on the block, but it's not. I'm the diplomatic mission of a foreign government to the United States. <laughs> and if something wonky comes up, I dial a number. People arrive with black suburbans and guns. I dare you to TP my house. So, <laughs> but it's just catnip for like, say yes to a couple things. Like I didn't know the details until I got in the details and like, oh, wow, that means that uh, I get some awesome letterhead, by the way. <laughs> It's got yes. spears and flags. It's got all kinds of stuff on it. And uh, and then you could use that for good. Uh, even if they fire me, I got the letterhead. I'm still using it. So what I want to do is say, what opportunity is already adjacent to you? Like we bought a camp and the camp was closed because of the vid. Uh, so I looked at what's adjacent and there was a field. And so I got a bunch of horses to go in the field. There's a racetrack. I've never been to a horse race, but I'm like, Game on. Um, So to say what's already adjacent to you, what are the relationships that are adjacent to you? What are the opportunities? Mm -hmm. And say yes to a couple. And you might get, you know, disappointed in New Orleans, but it also Mm -hmm. might unlock something adjacent to that. And that isn't just hopeful thinking. That's an engaged way of living life. Uh, And I think that's what we're called to. We keep bringing Jesus our successes, and he keeps asking for our participation. I just want you to participate. Uh, you don't need to be, uh, I'm already a success. I, he doesn't need your successes on top of his. Uh, but to say, just show up fully present, head on a swivel for the needs of the people that haven't had some mm. successes. And to say, what if you make your success their success? And just go like, now we got a ball game. You know, the house was a failure, but what was the furthest from a failure was the neighbors. The neighbors, Bingo. my gosh. I, I don't want to leave. I've actually held on to the house much longer than I need. My family has been like, for the love, <laughs> let us pry it out of your hands. If we've seen anything, we know you're determined, but we don't need you to be determined at this house. <laughs> but the neighbor, the people, I feel so connected and just, I don't want to leave. I just, I love it. But I think there's something to what you're saying. Just look to the right and to the left because it might not have been the thing in front of you might be the things that are on the sides that are really the purpose of why you're there. Yeah, and don't get distracted by some of the group think that's happening. Sometimes somebody asks Mm -hmm. me about uh, like faith kinds of stuff, and I feel in many ways church adjacent. Like I'm like a part of it, like all, you know, go team. Um, But I don't uh, need to be at an address uh, 
and there, I want to be adjacent to the needs of everybody, like inside, outside. Yes. So to just say, like, I just want to be adjacent to those things and then just see what's already next to me. Yes. Um, and that's like, I think some of the beauty, I think that's surprise. I mean, God gives us mm-hmm. this big gift and we keep playing with a box. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, the gift is what's adjacent to you and just get the right thing. The right to say like yeah. what I've been gifted is some really unique relationships and some some really neat opportunities. A couple of people love well, whether you made them uh, or you like created that family from several pieces mm-hmm. of others or whatever. And to just say, to, could I just say, we, we tease around here, we call ourselves like not a church. Uh, and what a not a church does is we act like <laughs> just care for each other, but there's like no offering plate. There's no big sermon at the end. We're just like, let's just have a creating caring community. That doesn't mean don't be part of the other one, be adjacent to all of the different ones. Like every, as people are gathering to just say like, man, is there anything I can do to be helpful? Let me join in your celebration or, um, or point towards some additional celebrations that might be worth going to. And, but yeah. not, you don't have to be angsty to do that. Um, be mm-hmm. Switzerland. Give me a bobsled yes. and a bar of chocolate. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> mad at them and they're not mad at anybody else. And I'm not either. Oh, I find some beautiful commonality with you in that, Bob. I'm so grateful for your time. This is so beautiful. Hey, do you want to tell me one fun story about Sweet Maria? Oh, you want to let our Mar- listeners Sweet know? Sweet Maria. Let's talk about one of the best the best things in your life. Oh, yes. Well, she, she uh, I think you know about this one. I, I was like running around all over the place uh, trying to make a difference in a couple places. And uh, Maria put in the front window of the house a help wanted sign. <laughs> and she wasn't saying she needed help. She's like, pal, you need help. Like you are missing it. And so- <laughs> Uh, yes. it's, it's she's kept uh, all these years she's kept that sign but she doesn't hang it like the sword of damocles over my head instead mm-hmm. it's just this reminder that we need to make it happen where we are kind of that again this be where your feet are find what god's already done in your life the people he's dropped into your life and you've got some really special ones and just make sure you're doing a good job with that think of these as concentric circles and then the next day like a group of friends and then maybe the next group out might be the people that uh, really enjoy your music or identify with what you're doing. But make sure you get the middle part right first before you get out on ring number 50. And certainly don't get distracted because somebody's biggest thing is ring number 100 to you mm-hmm. to just say, it's just, it isn't better. It's just different. And, um, and so I, I just don't want us to get distracted. We're doing important work. We can't come down. And sweet Maria Goff reminds me of that every single day. Ah, oh, I love her. Just being able to see her face, but just a glimpse, my heart just swole up. I felt like, oh, this is going to be such sweet time. Just getting to see her face was such a delight. Oh, well, she oh, loves I love you. you, my friend. I love I you love too. I love you. I love her. I'm so grateful for this time. Hey, Bob, where can people find you? Awesome. So you don't have to give your address. You can get okay. like all the. <laughs> I know that's. The I mean, crazy. you can do whatever, but. <laughs> Yeah, if you just Google Bob, you'll find me. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Bob.com. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love you, friend. Thank you so much. Great being with you. I love you. All right.
Daigle Bites is an Amazon Music podcast hosted by me, Lauren Daigle, and produced by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. Hey, I'm Lauren Daigle. For more interviews and thought-provoking conversations and to listen to every episode, follow us here exclusively on Amazon Music. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.